Hi, my name is Jesse, and I help business leaders protect their passions. How? I'll tell you, by working with them to protect their business from today's cyber threats. So grab a coffee or whatever beverage you want and tune in for quick tips and important security news that could save your business today on Coffee and Security. On today's episode, something a little different. Today we're going to do a roundtable conversation between three people, myself and a couple of my colleagues, about whether or not businesses should pay ransoms if they get hit by ransomware. So let's get started. I've got with me today David Ramsey. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Insula Technologies, company I work with, and Stephanie Strickman, a Client Services Manager for a small to mid-size IT provider in Texas. And uh, David is well known to be able to get in touch with customer needs and is uh, very quickly catching up with his cybersecurity knowledge and learning uh, at a lightning pace. And Stephanie, Stephanie is um, definitely a long time, uh, over 10 years IT company veteran, and she is well in tune with the customer needs at this point and with IT needs, and also uh, getting uh, getting her foray into the IT security industry. So uh, I think uh, it's without further ado, we had a little warm-up conversation, a little pre-conversation. So let's tune into the roundtable at the topic of trust. Uh, my, my question to y'all is, should you trust the criminal organization that just ransomed you? Like that's, that's the unfortunate <laughs> position. Yeah, that's the that's unfortunate. The yeah. And, so, and uh, Stephanie touched on it uh, earlier, and that was really, really relevant, is that it makes you angry because how can you even trust? How can you trust that when you pay somebody who has stolen from you, all right, can, can think about this. Can you, if somebody steals something from you physically in person, are you going to trust that person to say, all right, well, I'll give you a uh, uh, hundred bucks to get my wallet back that you stole from me or whatever it may be. Cause they didn't, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it, you don't, you don't have that. You're going to be dissuaded from it. Uh, about the same feeling I would imagine is when you do get, uh, anything stolen from you especially like something as personal as data in your business yeah i mean for me um instantly tr trust is broken right and if anything i'm just waving my hands in the air like i don't care <laughs> waving my hands in the air seeing what what why, how could we have prevented this what happened why god you don't why, want to be in that position me? yeah why, why me? me and um, and and the thing is you yeah. don't want that realization hit you of why me you want to it's, be able to say um, yeah yeah it's it's crazy to me like just i mean i've been doing this a long time and i've seen a lot of things and it's um i definitely feel and i don't know if it's just because more people are working from home and that there's um you know not as much protection people working from home like great you know, risk uh, yeah. so there's more more vulnerabilities out there but um it's crazy to me uh just seeing businesses it's just too little too late and i would love to see more people or companies i guess invest time and resources to like fight against these threats like unfortunately it's too little too late 
but that's what I yeah. would do. I would say, why me? And it could be something as simple as like, I don't know, having a firewall in your environment, you know, or I don't know, something as silly as antivirus, like you said. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, well, we can definitely talk about what businesses can do to strengthen their their prevention capabilities so uh, let's but let's talk for just a second like you said we've already been hacked at the moment so right we're, we're dealing with this now we're probably getting hacked um, right now uh, yeah there you go um so <laughs> one of the um one of the biggest i'm sort actually of, entering um, code in the background right Did you hear <laughs> the dog, this is the dog everyone is, works from home the dog, the dog is panicking the dog, dog the, the, the the, this our cybersecurity detective is panicking <laughs> Yeah. So one of the biggest indicators of how fast a company can recover from a, a ransomware attack, if they get it, is that they have a structured incident response program in place. Um, and you mentioned it very well without maybe knowing it. When your hands are in the air and you're going crazy, and you don't know what to do. That's because you don't have a plan. You haven't tested a plan. So if you've got an, an example, I mean, if you've got a, a checklist, an incident response checklist of things to do both before, during and after you get hit by ransomware, such as, you know, quickly containing the event. And even if you know the steps, even if all of us here knows, you know, get the computer off the network, take the network offline, even if we know these things like we do in the heat of that moment, you're going to totally be losing your mind. So I don't mm -hmm. mean to cut you off, but prior to even getting to the incident response planning is why, uh, why didn't they think about it or why didn't they uh, prioritize that in the first place? What would compel businesses uh, who haven't been ransomed? Yeah, I mean, if we can solve that problem, let's up. solve it. Uh, uh, the question I, is, the, why, the why won't businesses current events, be more proactive? I guess, right? Well, I mean, even, yeah, you see it here and there, but uh, what I was kind of touching on earlier here. is that it's an embarrassing thing, especially for, like, bigger companies. But even with that, I think it's still kind of muddled down a lot unless you draw attention, even if it is in the news headlines, yeah. there's always something ahead of that. So I'm just going to like, I'm, I'm just, you brought up something, David, and just like, it, just thinking about, you know, talking to somebody about their environment and I find a security vulnerability and, hey, you really should upgrade to this. And the response is, well, we just don't want to do that right now. Like, I'm just... I wonder um, when maybe it's because they don't truly know what could happen. Right. But, um, like it's a too little, too late mentality, I guess. Right. But right. I just wonder what goes through somebody's mind that um, instead of upgrading a piece of equipment, installing a new process or um, some kind of strategy versus being attacked, like I wonder what goes through somebody's mind and, and maybe it's just that they don't know. And like, and I'm sure we'll Why get into the numbers. Why would someone not want to protect themselves? Maybe yeah. question. I'm sure we'll know. get it. We may get into the numbers a little bit later, but uh, I mean, literally, it is very, very, very affordable for businesses to do this, especially considering the uh, potential for ransom and what that yields most of the time. You're talking about a fraction of it over a lifetime, you know? So, uh, yeah, uh, I just, I think uh, more and more businesses routinely, I don't know, you've been in the IT field, working in the IT field, 
and speaking with businesses, do you hear those conversations come up with clients sometimes? Do they post those to you? Oh, for, for sure. And I, and I'm wondering if it's just like, um, maybe just, uh, education maybe on like, they don't really know what, um, maybe they need more details on their vulnerability or <clears throat> what is actually cybersecurity. I don't think a lot of people actually know the definition of cybersecurity, but I would definitely say in my experience for sure over the last decade, <clears throat> um, people would rather not be protected and just wait to see what happens. And it's scary. Um, and I fully don't understand why, but um, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I have seen it quite a bit. Yeah, I have. And that's what that's yeah. what makes it like the frontier. Sorry, Jesse, where it's just kind of like the wild frontier um, where they're gambling. Anything, they're, they're any, definitely any, yeah, anything goes right now. It's this, Russian, Russian roulette. Well, I'd say <laughs> definitely in the next five to 10 years at most uh, is from what a lot of uh, information and studies that I've uh, read upon is going to be imperative that you have cybersecurity. We're already starting to see that in some industries where it's regulated. Uh, but Jesse, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off, buddy. No, that's right. I, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. It's embarrassing. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, some, I think you might have said it might, it might be too expensive or they're just not educated or they're not paying attention to the news. Uh, what I think this all boils down to, and feel free to, to take it and put it in your own words, I don't think that the issue or the threat is personal to the business owner yet. I don't. Th I think it's like when you hear a story and someone you don't know very well has died. You're like, that's eh, never going to happen to me. They're not really that close to me. Okay. But whenever it's a friend who's been personally impacted by by this issue, you tend to look into the illness or whatever it is a bit more thoroughly than you would have. If it, it becomes more real life. Yeah, yeah. It becomes. Yeah. And, I got you. And, and so from response. so so yeah, I can't exactly. see how security will help or hurt my business personally is sort of one of my theories here. And, and maybe that's, and partly, I, I think this is mostly to blame, mostly to blame, and feel free to fire back on this one. This is mostly to blame by the chief security officers that are out there having an IT background and not knowing how to speak business. I would, jar, I would jump into that with both feet every single day i think, that's I, I think part we of don't it. know how to talk business and as such we don't have a seat at the table with the business owners yeah i, I think that's a part of it and that's why i kind of started out this uh uh chat here with y'all saying i'm the resident dummy <laughs> that understands what y'all can talk about in terminology and then kind of break it down and i've worked with you for years jesse on that and you've recognized more and more and more um, that, yeah, tech people have their own language and y'all get very passionate about those things that y'all talk about, but those on the outside kind of start to glaze over and I see a lot of technicians not really picking up in the moment that they're not being followed. So I, I agree that that's part of the issue there is that, all right, well, why are we going to bring in, uh, Mr. or Miss uh, CSO, Chief Security Officer, or your uh, primary IT advisor, whatever, into this board meeting because nobody's going to understand what they're saying anyway. Yeah, I do agree that that's part of part of the problem. Stephanie, what do you think? Do you think it's personal? Do you think it's not personal? Or am I way off base? 
Mm, I no, I know it makes sense to me. I can see where it's not personal until you go through it. Definitely. Um, and I don't know, like David said, I don't know if someone walking into the room and actually, I don't know, because I've actually said this to a client before and it didn't matter. But uh, would you rather, you know, would you rather be protected or would you rather pay a million dollars? And and there was no change made in the environment. And so. And uh, at the I end really, of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, you can just provide information and you did your part. And that, that that's what we uh, try to maintain as well, is that. If we feel like we're doing our best to provide information, and that's a great example. You came out straight with something anybody could understand and say, would you rather pay a little bit to be protected or pay a million dollars for when you do get ransomed? And they declined that. So, but you did your part, you know? So, uh, and that's and all. it's interesting. It, it, ha- it happens more often than not, I would say. And it, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting to me. Um, other people's thought process. And I definitely think, I mean, you're absolutely right, Jesse. I, I think that they just haven't gone through it. Um, and maybe the news just isn't scary enough. I mean, I read articles and I, I'm, I'm immediately thinking like my home network, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? Is someone going to connect into my machine? I mean, but I think yeah. that way. And it's hard mm-hmm. to get other people to think that well, way. Well, and your IT, yeah. and like you said earlier, there's no 100% way to protect yourself. But uh, there are things that you can, uh, measures that you can take to reduce that risk, as well as if you do um, happen to get uh, uh, get breached or anything, there's other things along with that, but that's uh, uh, something additionally later on for after the fact yeah yeah but I, I think about it like smoking too look a hundred years ago everybody used to smoke or whatever and they ain't think they're not thinking about the health impacts or anything nowadays all these doctors are uh warning of the risk of smoking and people still smoke anyway i'm a smoker by the way i've been smoking for 20 years so i know the health risk that result uh, from me making that decision, I know it's not uh, the smartest decision health-wise for me, and what I'm what I'm posting that risk to my own personal health. But I choose to take that risk. Is it smart? No, by no means is it smart. Uh, but that's about the same as like um, you know I, I think with the security in business is like everybody smoking a hundred years ago they're not thinking about the health risk associated it's not very well known and then here we are a hundred years later everybody's telling you whether they're a doctor or not hey you should quit smoking well i think that in 50 100 years uh that'd be mainstream as well hey why don't you have security with your business that's stupid you know it, it just uh it's a cultural type of thing as well i believe yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's change gears for a second. Um, is it legal to pay ransoms? And I'm just going to bring this up real quick just to give everyone who's listening some news about this. So recently, the Office of Foreign Assets Control, so part of the government, uh, has generated something called the OFAC list. The OFAC list, and I wouldn't say recently, but I guess it's more recent that ransomware has been added to this list. Um, so this is a list that the government keeps uh, of known terrorist organizations and how they're funded. And it's a list saying um, basically that if you pay any of these people, you're contributing to an illegal action. 
your 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 crime you're committing a crime which so is surprising yes yeah. yeah, so recently the government has added some of the ransomware threat actors to this list meaning if you pay this ransom without going and no understanding if they're on this list you actually are committing a crime and when you file your taxes that's when they find out what you've done if you didn't report it since it's not 100 legal uh interestingly speaking so we've got that um second we've got this issue of compliance hitting across the nation and we've got this um new requirements uh, in a lot of states which i think is going to be nationwide in the next year is that if you've been breached you have to report that breach to the state and i don't know about you guys but i see this being a, a significant issue for the smaller it companies that aren't thinking security and i see this as a significant issue for the companies that don't have security once they start hitting these walls of shame as i call them as david calls them uh once they start getting once they start getting out there your consumers are going to start comparing you against your competition and finding out if you're on the wall of shame and they're not uh and yeah. so it's going to start that's hitting huge. them in the business and that is huge absolutely especially then, changing from you know yeah. a, a minimum amount of like uh it's I like america's know. most wanted list yeah a hundred thousand yeah a hundred thousand if it's less than a hundred thousand or ten thousand or whatever you don't have to notify uh the people who you do business with but now there's people adopting even if it's one you got to notify so yeah, oh, yeah. I it's, mean, it's, and i think it should have been like that 100%. all along i should have yeah, been yeah, because yeah, who wants to who wants to own oh, normally? I don't want to work with the business, and then uh, it's something, funny you say that happened. though. But yeah. it's like, oh, I don't. I'm never gonna. But it does it's happen. like what we were just talking about. Like, yeah. oh great, there's this wall of shameless. I never want to be on it, but it'll never happen to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and and what's interesting around this topic too is just one about about the reporting requirements. It's not if your business does business in that state. It's if any of your customers reside in that state. So someone from a Texas company could absolutely be fined from New Hampshire could absolutely be fine from New York, could absolutely. And what's interesting here is that we're also seeing an uptick in civil cases uh, demanding that companies protect their data better. And when they get breached, suing the company for not protecting their data. And there's a lot of these things hitting the market. So these are just more and more costs these small businesses don't even know are coming. And and just, um, just from a, a legal point. standpoint. That's a great point is like, you know, whenever you're doing business with your clients, and uh, a third-party ransomware hacker or somebody uh, gains access to their information and data, they can sue you because you didn't protect. <laughs> you were in charge of the care of their uh, information, their their PII or whatever you want to uh, label it, and you weren't you weren't taking responsible care of their information. So it's going to be more well known now whenever stuff the, like that does happen because you have to report it uh, to those customers. And then more and more customers are going to be like, well, no, that's that's wrong. So I'm going to take this to a litigation matter because you should have had that protected. I was under the assumption that you knew what you were doing. You were protecting my stuff to start with. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I totally had, I had an incident where I, I mean, I can say their name, right? Are they on the wall of shame? <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking about the one you just messaged me about earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's public knowledge, right? Yeah. There's news everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, so, you know, I'm sure everybody has to deal with this crap, but, like, I get uh, spam text messages all the time. Yep. And um, I connected the dots, and I remember Park Mobile had got hacked. 
I think in the summer and guess who has park mobile guess who's got their like license plate and phone number and all that jazz in there this girl yeah. so um uh I basically told all my friends that had it and I'm like I the only thing you can do at this moment is reset your password so mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any other advice Jesse but um uh, my advice is uh, if you get asked to participate in a class action lawsuit that you do it because that and and my personal feelings aside, uh, if you want to take it a step further I, I find it one I find it extremely disappointing dissatisfying that business owners don't put better can put better thought into the information that they're collecting about their customers and I personally as a consumer get angry whenever my data is out there when it's something that it could have been so easily prevented well look at facebook and stuff they've had mark zuckerberg over (laughs) like uh uh, all the legal jargon and stuff they've had him um uh, uh show up uh to answer for a lot of these legal disclaimers so to speak or what people are opting into or not knowing some of the things and this is about their uh, uh, generic information like what kind of sites do they like to visit or you know uh interest and so on for data collection so yeah. that's a that's around i mean you know in in certain aspects of it it's already being talked about because they've had mark zuckerberg yeah. i mean yeah it, it is it is frustrating it is disappointing it is it does um like for the mo- park mobile example like there's nothing i can do right i just signed up for the app and uh hope for the best <laughs> well and, and a good th- a good thing about that is uh it's not industry specific i was reading the other day because i like to keep up on this and a few years ago it may have been more targeted towards let's say the healthcare industry overall but these days it's very widely dispersed it doesn't really matter what industry you're in banking financial healthcare, automotive manufacturing things i wouldn't have thought of they're attacking every industry out there i mean why wouldn't they oh, yeah. I mean, if and, it's and like it, free it's not- it, it's definitely not going to slow down anytime soon. That's no, gonna... it's picking up. You know? Yeah. That's one of the great things about the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, 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 you remain anonymous. You know, yeah, exactly. Which is scary. And, and I, all these things are moving to the cloud and things like that. So I feel like um, and a lot of these hackers I, aren't dumb. They're very I don't even know what you would call, I don't even know if you could even call it a thing, Jesse, but like what phase do you think we're in in ransomware? Like, do you think we're in the beginning stages just because, you know, things are slowly moving away from not to say you can't get hacked on prep, you can get hacked anywhere. But I feel like everything now is just like using the Internet, you know. In, in, in the cloud like you feel like yeah, it's just it's gonna a, get it's only gonna get worse before it gets better i guess or I, I i think that's a really hard question to answer right uh, uh ransomware has been around actually for a long time uh in the early 2000s was one of the big first ones that really hit and, and um the these things the, the the most common way this gets in is email and um social engineering like as email and social engineering are the two biggest ways that you should get ransomware and i gotta tell you social engineering ain't going anywhere because people are always <laughs> going to fall for something and uh people are always going to be tricked and, and beginning phases right so it's I been around a while question. what, what we I love that question. Yeah, what we have seen a lot in the last 
like in the last year, this year, last since 2020, 2021, probably thanks to remote working and a few other things like you were saying. Um, well, we've seen a, a shift in in a couple of different ways. Uh, ransomware isn't just about encrypting your files anymore and just destroying them. Ransomware is also about exfiltrating, taking your files and selling them. So ransomware is, is they, they call it uh, the, the many different sort of, it's almost like multi-factor ransomware. You you get ransomed, your data is encrypted, but before they encrypted it, they went ahead and grabbed a copy. So, oh, you don't want to pay, oh, you got backups? Oh, no problem, we'll just sell your data now. Would you like to pay for so that? So we even, don't sell it. Doesn't, now, so, yeah, so doesn't backups won't protect you anymore from that. Interesting. So uh, let's just say I get attacked, I have backups. I'm all yeah. about the yeah, backups. Let's talk about that. Um, and let's say, you know what? I'm fine. I have a backup. We'll just restore. But like you said, it's not a simple restore. But now, um, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but the attacker can do whatever the hell he wants or she wants with my with my data. Doesn't matter. So, yeah, so, so why won't? So backups used to be the holy grail, right? Like as long as I got good backups offsite, I'll be able to recover. Um, and now they've, there's another reason why they don't work because now if they have your data, you have a second problem. They've got your data. Um, the other reason backups are less effective today than they used to be is we're seeing this advent of what they're calling advanced persistent threats, APTs, which means that the hacker has gotten into your network and they've hung out there for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and then they ransom. And Odds are, you know backups, Stephanie, you know how this works in the IT world. What are the odds you've got a year's worth of backups you can restore? <laughs> and would you restore a year back or would you go to the most recent one? And so if you go to the most recent one, guess what? You're restoring the hacker's access back to your system too. Mm -hmm. And they're just going to fire that back off again. So they're actually, it's Wild. not recommended to restore backups to recover from an, from ransomware anymore. The only way to recover is a clean rebuild of right. your systems and then clean, to restore data separately and to do your best to, to, to kind of go through that data to make sure there's nothing on it. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, backups, yeah, they're not the holy grail anymore. It's not, you have to do more than back up your data now. And that's definitely changed in the last couple of years. Um, uh, so it's different. Yeah, so clean, clean rebuild, restore operations, and now I'm thinking the other side of it, um, my data, um, I mean, who even knows where that is and, and who gets their hands on it? Uh, there's a black market. Yeah. Uh, your competitors, um, your competitors. Oh, yeah, and now I'm wondering about, like, the other side of it, of the clientele, and it's like, mm -hmm. well, probably going to lose them now. Right. right, the reputation and the yeah. trust. I mean, yeah. Like with any relationship in life, once you break a trust or, uh, you know, uh, there's a breakdown, it's hard to build that back up if you can restore it. Right. I will say I did reset my park mobile password and, and I did. <laughs> I did reuse yeah. it. There you go. But I had so, to yeah. or I couldn't park. No, you bring up a good, good point for trust. Right. So as a consumer, uh, it does bang your trust. Will you stop using them? I guess it depends on who they are and what they are. But let's talk about that for a second. 20 years ago, if you were a business and you got ransomed, your customers would say, man, that's odd. Crazy, right? You couldn't have prevented that. But now with all the shit in the news, your customers are like, okay, I've seen at least three articles today on how they could have prevented ransomware. So what the hell, business? It's no yeah. longer like, it's no longer, oh, I feel sorry for you. It, you know, it's, it's more like, excuse me, protect my data. <laughs> Right, right. Mm -hmm. That, and I would still, like, 
I don't know why I get, I don't know why maybe I'm just, uh, maybe this is, I'm putting my nice hat on and like benefit of the doubt. I'm like, okay, what happened? Clearly in my brain, you're fully protected, right? So like there must've been some vulnerability that just came out or that you didn't know about, or like you missed something. Blind Um, trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you find out it was from a system they haven't patched for a year, even though it's been available for a year. Blind trust. That's how it goes. Yeah. And it's uh, from, uh, and not to try and um, degrade uh, any industry or anything, but these jack-of-all-trade MSPs out there that are already stretching themselves thin, and instead of actually trying to acknowledge that they're not capable of certain things, and they're like, yeah, I'll do it. And then they take on more things that they shouldn't be taking on, you know. You're jack of all trades, you're a master of none, means you're, you're half-ass at best at pretty much everything you do. So that's uh, why I think cybersecurity specialists have branched off to becoming its own um, a sub-industry out of IT, so to speak. Yeah, and actually, you brought up a good point. There's a there's a common misconception that um, cousins, brothers, sisters, IT guy that takes care of my network. He takes care of my servers. He takes care of my network stuff that's really complicated in the closet. He always takes care of my PCs, so obviously he's taking care of my security. Uh, what kinds of questions should businesses ask to know if they're being actually taken care of? Like, because I mean, some IT providers, I'm sure, are doing a bang up job, right? Yeah. But some are not, and some I haven't even thought about it. How, I, I how does it a business this way. distinguish? It's like a job interview. Like you're hiring anybody else. Just because you're hiring them as a contractor doesn't mean that you shouldn't approach it like an employee, right? So you want to know their credentials. You want to know their background, what their competencies are. And yeah, just like with an employee, you may make a mistake and hire an employee that actually is not qualified. But you just do your best in vetting them. The best that you know how to do when vetting them before hiring them. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. I would almost say um, uh, having something on paper isn't good enough. Let me see it in action. Um, you talked about incident response plan. Like, okay, let, let's see what that looks like. Let's do a test. Let's. That's a reasonable put, request. Put it in motion. Um, I would. It's a good question. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, huh? If someone asked me that, what would I say? Because the last thing I want to do is give somebody a report. Because so if, I saw, it, if I saw a report, I'd be like, great. So how much of this are you actually doing? So yeah. is it reasonable for like a, a, a business say, can I have a 30 day, if they're looking at hiring somebody, uh, can I have a 30 day trial period? You know, where we come back in 30 days and uh, then you can have a better idea of their life environment, not just of their experience or their past history or anything like that, but would that add more legitimacy and consumer confidence? Yeah, I would almost even spin it around the other way, Jesse, of like, what are the questions to ask? I would say, what can we do to run? I don't even know what you would call it. You probably know better than me. Not not an assessment of your environment, but let me just run something in your environment really quickly and just see where all the vulnerabilities are. I would almost yeah. want to ask that um, you, you, to see yeah. how am, am I where I need to be? 
Sure. You know? So th- I mean, that's a great that's a great starting point, Stephanie. And it's funny because um, what you just described was the number one technique non-security MSP IT providers use to try to win security business. Um, <laughs> you just described it. I did a whole article on free IT assessments, free security assessments, and what and what value you really get out of them. Yeah. So like I, I I'm very familiar with this. I think that tool, if used correctly, is a good idea. I think <laughs> that tool as an IT provider would do a really good job of showing you where your shortfalls are protecting your clients. I think if you're using it like that, you're doing an amazing job. I think if you're using it as a sales talking point, you're missing the point. Like, right. um, but I, I absolutely think every IT provider should be using or partnering with someone who knows how to use for these vulnerability assessment tools to understand, is my patch management really working? Well, what else am I not looking at that's out there? Well, um, maybe is my RDP server publicly accessible on the internet? You know, the, some of those right. common things that we as I, I've been in IT for a long, long time, right? You've seen this. No, I know what RDP server is. Remote <laughs> desktop. Yeah, his, uh, actually, some customers do know what that is. I don't know why, but they do. I'm going to um, speak for the majority and say, <laughs> we, we don't know what an RDP server hey, that's is. Why, that's, yeah, I've known you for 20 years, and home? I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. people that work from home, it's that pretty blue computer on your desktop. <laughs> the oh, little okay. computer icon. So, yeah. But you brought up a great point. It's how you use these tools that matter. It's your process that matters. It's your your people, your your system, your education, your experience. Um, oh, yeah. Like people think that these threat actors are are just super geniuses. Uh, they're really not. Uh, these threat actors that are coming at you are just more dedicated than you are to finding security holes in your environment. That's what they are. They just spend more time learning how to know what your security issues are, your weaknesses, and how to take advantage of those. You spend no time trying to solve the problem. So of course they're smarter. Mm. Threat actors. That's the official industry term. term. Yes, the official industry term in cybersecurity. Threat actors. uh, So if we were to if we were to make a metaphor, I guess of like a person's home or something, I think that's how uh, security companies for home security systems came about as well. Is they probably branched off of uh, a primary industry. So where this is IT and cybersecurity is kind of branched off of that. Where do y'all think that the home security uh, branched off of? And that's developed into something big, Vivint, Brinks, uh, you know, all these uh, nationally recognized home security. And they they have uh, their fair share of the market uh, in their own rights. But what do you think brought about that? Who was doing it before them? Uh, Wells Fargo, I don't know. Uh, the banks protecting your money uh, probably was a big was probably a big thing, and then that went into business security, probably right. And so, then that went into home security. So, uh, do you think that like uh, they evaluated and pair uh, obviously like over time people were like, well, why would I buy home security from my banking institution that doesn't make any sense it doesn't it doesn't match up so maybe that could be one of the barriers with msps uh, on how a customer sees it is you're my it and maybe y'all know something about the security but uh it's not a specialization of yours well 
that's a i mean you, you bring up a good point uh msps they probably know that it's not a specialization of theirs right and i'm thinking of a couple that i know personally right and we know like and you know a company stephanie works for knows they're not security and that's okay because they know that it's different so the ones that don't know i'm afraid of let's forget let's just yes. we're gonna leave them off the table for now yes. the ones that do know there's a lot of those um have choices and a lot of them don't want to give up quote the control of the customer relationship so keep that in mind like there's there's a legitimate need for managed service providers in IT space to keep the customer relationship and there's a lot of threats out there a lot of um, a lot of security companies also do IT and but so you get not, a lot of threats out there and that's it's not, not all. Doing best for the businesses either that's the thing at the end of the day is like corporations <laughs> with shareholders you do the best for the shareholder right so i was gonna you, yeah the the mo the goal there uh for anybody listening to this is get over egos and realize that you want to do business with people that you can kind of tell and you don't have to know shit about uh, uh technology to understand if somebody's got your best interests uh at heart and it's not all about ego to them on all right well i want to have control of this customer relationship well no i, I want you to say hey that's not my specialty but i will help with uh, you just admit to your competencies you admit to your capabilities that honestly to me is uh, that that's a lot more trustworthy type of yeah. approach sure and i and i want to work for the it company you start but uh what we have to deal with is what's out there and we have a lot of afraid um it companies that won't admit when they don't know something and this is not all of them there are plenty of them that are honest and that would um but uh, we do have a lot um and then there's a whole separate issue in the it industry um where they fill in the answer that they think the customer is going to answer and so they self they they, they prescribe head trash to themselves uh even though they don't have the they have both sides of the conversation that's the better way to put it so stepping and, out and so, of it as it professionals for both of y'all if y'all were had your own respective businesses didn't really have the it background that y'all do uh would uh whenever it came to cybersecurity, would y'all go with an msp in today's knowing what you do know about tech as far as that goes uh and then but not having the expertise level that y'all do obviously would y'all go with msp or would you be selective on trying to find somebody who specializes in cybersecurity whenever it comes to uh concerns such as that for me, my, I would do both. I would want to be involved with an MSP that's that's open or has already a partnership with a company that knows everything there is to know about security and protecting me, especially in today's world. Um, I, I'm almost thinking some of these IT companies, um, I don't know if it's that they don't want to work with other groups. I'm wondering almost if some of these IT companies think that they have it covered at a base level. Um, and it's funny now that I say that, I'm like, huh, flip the coin. Uh, yeah. What if it's too little too late at that point, right? When the company's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm protecting my clients. They got this. It's at a, it's at a base level or I don't know, a central level. And then something goes wrong. And you're like, so, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I guess from I didn't the, have my shit together. And then yeah. there you are, too little too late, right? So aside from Which the, happened to that one company. Um, what is it? The SolarWinds people? Yeah. 
Solowin's they had their shit together. That was pretty. That was pretty complicated. So you don't, without getting into too much details on that, it was a seriously complicated attack. What happened to Solar Rands, uh, and it was a. It, I think it was a zero Solowin's day. MSD. So f- someone feel free to make to make fun of me. The same thing happened with Kaseya recently. And the MSP market, the managed service provider market for IT companies, has for been Kaseya, under attack this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Kaseya was one. I. I now, someone please feel free to throw bricks at me if I get this wrong. Uh, I think there was already a patch released that fixed this issue months before the breach took place. But uh, I'm pretty sure that was the case. And it was the second or third time in three years Kaseya has been hacked. Uh, we'll so I, I feel we'll less Cali, bad the, about uh, Kaseya. Fact checker uh, check this right? after the show. I, I feel <laughs> less bad for Kaseya because they've been hacked over and over and over again. Um, kind of like. No. I don't even yeah, know if I answered you your question, your but list. like, I don't even know if I answered your question, but I'm just trying to think like in my home, in, where I live, um, I'm, I, uh, you know, I can do most things here that are needed. And when I need help and um, uh, in an area that I don't have a lot of expertise in, I call somebody. Right. So if I had, if I owned my own business and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I could probably tell pretty quickly if this MSP didn't know what they were doing. I don't know also if that's because I have a little bit of a background, but if I'm a normal user, actually, it's a good question. If I'm a normal user, I'm gonna have no clue, right? I'm well, no I like, clue. <laughs> I, I like the metaphor with the house because a lot of people who are homeowners and stuff, you're not like uh, knowledgeable about everything that goes in. Uh, to a house and how to fix or repair things that may go wrong. So you do your research, you do your homework, especially knowing that it could cost money. So uh, if your AC unit uh, is of a certain age and you know it's getting ready to be replaced, then you're probably going to want to do a little bit of legwork because you know that by not doing that homework and legwork that it's going to cost you more money or you may end up getting a shoddy unit that goes out a year later you know so you're you're making the smart decisions at that point and how can we relate that or how can we take that same thought process that homeowners have and start uh, making that important for you know in, uh, people who work in business it's the responsibility aspect of it true yeah you know, I'm really surprised nobody brought up cyber risk insurance. David, you kind of did with the Lamborghini yeah. insurance, but uh, cyber risk insurance, like a lot of it's funny. Uh, I will almost quote, but I'll probably butcher it. Um, recently, I read an article from a, um, a group that was posting an online marketplace for stolen data. They were getting this data from the ransomware people and they were selling it. OK, they were a marketplace cool for them. Uh, Long story short, they said, and I quote, uh, the U.S. businesses would rather pay insurance than do anything. And that's why people aren't proactively protecting themselves is out of laziness. Uh, And it's interesting because um, they the insurance industry uh, experienced one of the most massive losses in 2020 that they've ever seen. Uh, and when they were beginning to get cyber risk under their feet for the first time, they were selling policies and they didn't understand some of the tech aspects of it. And they lost a lot of money paying ransoms and dealing with lawyer fees and dealing with PR consultants and firms and dealing with data forensics uh, that you have to bring in and dealing with cybersecurity professionals that you have to bring in and dealing with getting your backups back, whatever those things are. And so what ended up happening was the insurance industry said, um guess what we're not going to underwrite it the same way we did last year this year 
we are now seeing that upon renewal, renewals are being declined. Renewals are requiring new technical requirements such as multi-factor authentication and other things that you have to have implemented in your environment, such as EDR, which is endpoint detection and response, which is advanced endpoint protection, not just antivirus. And if you don't meet these standards, well, guess what? They don't tell you when you apply. They tell you when you get hacked and you they say, oh, oh, I see here that you didn't meet these requirements that you said you did. Guess we don't have to pay, just like they do for your auto insurance, just like they do for your home insurance, just like they do for your personal insurance. Wow. Uh, and so they've, they're doing that. At the same time, they're lowering, lowering the maximum payout mm -hmm. and raising the premiums. Of course. So, so now, like um, insurance, if businesses that thought insurance would be you know, the last thing. It's still probably a better deal than the hundreds of thousands of dollars payout that they're uh, of the ransom itself, but it's way more complicated to get involved in it now. And and if you're like some of the customers that have actually called um, us at Insula, they needed help just looking at the insurance policy to know what these things meant because they don't know what MFA means. And it was clear that the insurance company in this case copied and pasted out of like a best practices playbook. Well, they got burned. They got burned. <laughs> exactly. Some, somebody got fired or somebody got their ass chewed, more than likely. And then it was like, we need to sit down and rethink this because we just lost our ass in Q4 of 2020 or however, you know, whenever it was, because they break these things up in quarters. I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, uh, they got away with it for like a whole year or anything like that, maybe six months. But either way, for uh, insurance companies, they're going to make a change quick because they're not in the business of just paying out money, you know. So uh, what that means, what Jesse's saying is essentially for all you people out there who are like me, um, is <laughs> – in order to qualify for insurance, for cybersecurity insurance for your business, then you have to have pre-qualifications in place first. And the best way to understand those pre-qualifications is by going to a cybersecurity expert. Uh, and some, I'm not going to knock on all MSPs or anything out there, but most of them think that they're doing good. And I, I want to draw back on that earlier. It's not just all about ego where they don't want to share that customer relationship. They, uh, a lot of them, I'm sure, legitimately think that they're doing right by their customers, but they just don't have enough knowledge to know that they don't have the expertise or the education or information, you know. So, uh, known Jesse for 20 years, he's, uh, as Stephanie said earlier, he's very, very skilled, probably one of the most um, intellectual technicians out there that not only myself have come across, but very smart technicians such as Stephanie uh, look up to because they can see his expertise. And he had, he went through uh, an additional certification recently for cybersecurity, and it was a tough certification to get through. And it's uh, recognized worldwide. There's only a little over 6,500 people with a cybersecurity uh, certification, but he did that in efforts to help uh, help kind of not only show potential customers or people out there wanting to know a little bit more what does it mean to be a legitimate cybersecurity professional, but uh, uh, to show like other other IT professionals as well. Hey, it ain't just as easy as oh I understand how to protect. 
just because I have experience working in the field, there's so much more to that other than, well, you know, I understand about patches and I understand about this aspect of IT and MFA. I know what that means. It's so many different layers of it. It's unbelievable. So, um, I thought we were deflating my head by the end, <laughs> but uh, no, that's a, that's a fantastic point. I, I mean, I was in IT. I've been involved in information technology business and for 15, 16 baby. years and professionally, and I've been playing with it before that. Um, and when when transitioning from an IT company to a dedicated cybersecurity company at Insula, um, one of my core goals was not to be the jack of all trades. So dedicating myself, dedicating this company to cybersecurity. And since then, I will tell you, I have learned a a lot. I have learned so much about cybersecurity. It is not quite the ease that I thought it was transitioning into cybersecurity. It's a whole different way of looking at things in some cases. And the amount of time I spend every day just trying to think up better ways businesses can protect themselves is full-time job in itself. And so I cannot imagine a lot of these IT companies that are strapped for personnel and cash as it is, they're not going to dedicate someone to some fictitious idea of maybe making someone more secure because that doesn't seem billable, right? It doesn't seem like it's going to generate value to their customers. So and this is why one of the reasons why they're not, it's not just that they don't want to, it's just that they're not built that way. Here's a good relatable uh, thing as well, is that, Stephanie, you've been in the IT industry for, uh, well, for the current position you're at for over 10 years, but IT longer than that. And what did you say at the beginning uh, before we started recording when we first got on uh, to our podcast? It's hello talk, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't talk about that stuff. Is that, right, right. Okay. is that, is what that. before the recording stays before the recording. <laughs> right. There we go. Well, I'm going to leak this one. Uh, is that. Oh. Uh, is, is, Am I going to have to say a ransom? <laughs> with <laughs> with all your all your years in the industry, just kind of all, some of this information that's been brought to you, light to you, um, You've, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, steal words. I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase, but uh, you weren't aware some of the things that uh, were out there whenever it came to security, cybersecurity. Meaning, like uh, some of the ransomware attacks or uh, some of the things that y'all were discussing whenever um, until you started kind of getting involved in seeing some of the stories or reading some of the news or whatever. Oh, yeah. You you mean like the NBA? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the NBA. Yeah, I had no clue. Like, I, I, I was reading a couple things before this podcast, and um, I had no idea that some of the two things, actually. The NBA got hacked, apparently. I don't remember what it was. All I remember is that the team that got hacked was my team, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> I, I was, how sad and just And that hits home. City. Yeah, that hits <laughs> no. home. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, huh, interesting. Like, what are like, what are they gonna leak? I guess like, you know, who, who knows what goes on behind closed doors and like contracts and like, uh, you know, is this gonna happen in the next five years? Five years? I don't know. But I thought that was interesting and sad, but also kind of funny. So I'm sorry, he's rockets at him. <laughs> Um, surprising it's a, a multi a multi-billion dollar organization by the I way still people, wanna, I, i'm yeah. still gonna go to all the games i promise people yeah, know um, nba teams now they're wait, not maybe i should yeah. though hold on a second <laughs> yeah 
So, Swipe your card. Take cash. Take cash. Yeah, right. There you go. Right. Yeah. It depends on what was lost, right? Uh, so no, I'll yeah. g- I'll give Houston a plus one. Okay. Recently, in the last week, uh, the, I think it was two weeks ago, actually, the twenty second, twenty third of September, the port of Houston um, was under attack, and there was a there was a there was a team of hackers trying to gain access to the port of Houston, and they actually defended against it. Like there was some, so that they they made big news because they didn't. So that's so uh, that's keep that in mind. There, there are companies out there that <laughs> yes. do prepare. And, and to David's point, uh, it's multi-billion-dollar companies. All right, how does the small business compete yes. when a multi-billion-dollar company with yes. presumably a a hundred million-dollar cybersecurity budget at ten yeah. percent yeah. cannot keep up with it? Yep. Very the true. same. The same as the government. The government struggles. People don't realize. Uh, I, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people out there still don't realize how impactful the government has admitted they have to get contractors and subcontractors to assist them with cybersecurity threats and attacks and hackers because they can't handle it. They don't have the personnel. So they have to they have to, uh, uh, you know, go up to bid for all these different contracts for companies um, uh, to be able to support or even infrastructure in the U.S. here, let alone, you know, small businesses, private entities, multi-billion dollar public corporations. It's just, it's crazy. It is. I I mean, uh, it blows my mind that there's such a thing called a ransomware as a service. Like, yes. That's. That is just crazy to me. Like, and describe I don't know, what I don't that know is. If you want to tell, yeah, yeah, tell, yeah. Describe what, is, what that so is. So this is a good segue into another topic. Where does my money go if I pay the ransom? Right. That's my. <laughs> that's this area, right? Yeah. Uh, ransomware as a service. Um, <laughs> as all things profitable, um, uh, businesses try to try to make business. Right. Um, and so, without getting too much into it, the ransomware as as it is has evolved into an industry okay and and by that i mean there are tens of millions of dollar enterprise companies that have freaking hr departments they've got accounting teams they've got psychologists and social engineers on call they've got their hackers they've got their ceo they've got their coo they're outsourcing to third parties to collect this information i've seen posts recently on a forum where they were and they were offering money to anyone at a business who that had enough to ransom to get credentials that like these so people, like, yes, it, ransomware is a business. So, so while while a lot of U.S. businesses are still not even trying to prepare, there's an entire industry building up over here. And one of the one of the services they offer uh, is ransomware as a service. Uh, ransomware as a service is for the people that know how to hack. They have created easy to use toolkits that I, as a new hacker, can rent. <laughs> And all I've got to do is plug in your email address and it will fish your organization and will collect me some credentials. And then I can hop on in and start start my ransomware attack. I don't I barely have to know anything about what I'm doing. And all I it's like 50 bucks a month. I'm telling you, this is for 50. Would you spend fifty dollars to make seven million? Yeah, it's crazy. And you have a full team behind you, which is just... You probably have a support, a help desk. (laughs) You probably have a help desk. 
I am not kidding. I'm just like, I can't. I'm just, I can't. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's your super, money, super crazy. As I say, your money goes to building the evil, or as it, as they're named actually, the R-Evil Empire. R-Evil is the name of one of the ransomware groups out there right now, which I find very interesting. And they are literally building an empire. Why does that, that remind me of Star Wars? Really? It reminds me the of um, the robot, Mr. Robot. <laughs> yeah. The Empire. Um, the Empire Strikes Back. And it's like, I, I mean, we see it. We see all of these um, big companies in the news, but I just wonder, you know, with, with this with this team, this ransomware as a service team that just continues to build up, like, how many how many other companies out there are getting breached and hacked and we're not even seeing it? I mean, a it's ton. Just, yeah, it's I, uh, that's the thing. Uh, it's we're talking about what is it, I think it was in the tens of billions this year, uh, wow. maybe twenties. And look, that's, right that's just yeah. the that's I'm talking about the FBI report that just came out. So if you're looking for specific details, there was an FBI report on money spent towards cyber cyber crimes and ransomware was one of them. Yeah. And uh, what what I found what I found also interesting and maybe alarming is that that's just the people that have reported it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And so, you know, it's twice that, you know, it's something insane. And that's like, like a girl telling you her number of guys that she's had before her body count or whatever. She says seven. That's all on the podcast. (laughs) And now (laughs) we're at coffee and security. (laughs) All right. Coffee and security after dark. (laughs) Multiplied by three. Eight. That's what everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Everybody uh, says if a guy tells you his number, yeah, you, divide it by two. If a girl tells you her number, <laughs> multiply it by three. So in this instance, for ransomware attacks, oh, multiply man. it by That's whatever. Funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy. I did not know. I'll have to find this FBI report that you speak of. Yeah, yeah. I think David's looking it up now. Uh, but definitely, there are lots of um, lots of things out there. I actually not to go back around to this, too. but cyber risk insurance. I'm still. My mind is still trying to wrap like my head around that. Like, it for for me, just in my personal life, and this, I just grew up this way, and because you know, my parents said. Uh, if, if you spend enough money on it and, and it'll last long enough, you don't need insurance. So when I hear insurance, my first thought is like, it's just a way for, you know, someone else to make money and not to actually help me. So, and then the other side of it too, is I always feel like insurance, there's some loophole. There's always something in there that's going to F me over and I'm actually not going to be covered, which I'm actually curious about that. I'm going to definitely look more into that. Um, yeah. And that's why it's important. Like I, I, the way that I compute it, and there is that stigma associated with insurances. Like, of course, they're a for-profit industry, right? So, um, but I see insurance whenever it relates to this is like taking measures to reduce your risk, not so much on, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, if you do get hit, then you claim it against the insurance, but your your overall goal is to reduce the risk as much as possible just like car insurance if you are a safe driver but you can't help how other people drive if somebody wrecks into you they don't have car insurance or whatever then how are you going to get that covered 
you you have a, your own insurance car insurance right so so let's talk about that for just a second so like what um should i get risk insurance right as a company uh mm-hmm. some so, so let's talk a little bit about the services they offer so obviously they offer uh, money they offer gambling money right um and they may offer two hundred thousand dollars to recover from your ransomware incident for example let's just use that as, as an example so if i have been breached and i have a ransom of a hundred two hundred and fifty three hundred thousand just two hundred thousand dollars what what i don't know as a business owner is i don't know uh, a how to talk to ransomware people. Let's say I wanna pay the ransom. How do I begin that conversation? How do I pay crypto? How do I do this? Well, there actually is a ransomware negotiator it's a job. Look it of up. Of course, there, <laughs> there are ransomware negotiators, and a lot of them will oh, will partner with insurance companies, and you'll get ransomware negotiation oh, wow. services. I, I think I found built. my new my next chapter in life. There you um, go. Just be ready because the ransomware the negotiators are trained psychologists. I can see you doing that. I can, see, I can see Stephanie doing that. Wow, um, so you got funny. that. Uh, some insurance companies also provide breach hotlines, so you can call them and find out and and get some advice as to whether or not you really have been breached. But you know, because sometimes you you don't know um mm-hmm. and you can kind of initiate that process and a lot of insurance companies have access to lawyers because if you don't realize that litigation is heavily involved and especially right. if you go from classifying it as a cybersecurity incident and changing that classification to a data breach the only people that can make that determination are lawyers in a company um uh, because obviously there's a lot of things that come out of that right when they make that determination it's now press releases and legal things and reporting things to the state reporting things you know preparing for civil lawsuits there's a lot more involved in it so you'll get all these services with the insurance separately if you think about the amount of cash a business has um, they probably don't have 200,000 sitting around just cash in the bank so that's another reason to have insurance right it's because it's a large payout it's like it's like what I insure my house not my car my house Think of it like that, because it's much more akin to the price of a house to repair it. You've, you've got way more than more than price. a house, depending yes. on how developed your business is. But, but look mean, at your business. Your, I mean, if, you, if you've got a business that's running a million dollars a year, you should be spending 10 percent of that on cybersecurity every year. Roughly, it can be a little bit less for the smaller businesses, but it needs to be at least 10 percent in the larger businesses. So uh, when you get into that. Um, the insurance policy starts to make more fiscal sense in that sense. Uh, are they going to have loopholes? Absolutely. Are they going to have prerequisites and gotchas? Yeah. Um, but in this case, I would almost say those are good things. Like you need to be aware that these are multi-factor is 99% right. effective at keeping people out of your email. You need to do these things. And so as long as they don't get too crazy with those prerequisites and they that's, stick that's to the That's what I was things. thinking. I'm like, yeah. yeah what, what, no, no, I totally agree. That makes sense. Like, if anything be... Should we as personal people have it? Maybe. I don't know. Right? It's, it's, it's almost to the point where I need to have it for when somebody loses my information. Well, like, right. like, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> you might be right. It's happening. You ain't the one losing it. <laughs> exactly. Someone out there on the dark web has got my information because I'm telling you, man, like... Uh, I don't even know, like, uh, the amount of text messages that I get. I mean, uh, and for me... I've been getting those lately, too. I don't stuff. click on the things, but, you know... Yeah. No, you know, some people some people don't have a clue, right? And who even knows what happens when you click on that link? Right, and then, uh, Joe knows. If you, if you my latest podcast tomorrow, you'll find it. Joe knows. Awesome. So let's circle all this back around. I know we've been doing this for at least an hour. Let's circle all the way back around. Um... So we've talked about a lot. I think we've talked about a lot of 
things that can go wrong, a lot of things people and businesses probably haven't thought about. We've talked a lot about the legal ramifications of paying or not paying ransoms or just getting attacked and just the legal civil problem of being attacked. We've talked a lot, a lot about where this money is going and how that industry is changing. Uh, so all of this conversation all centered around one question. And, and now I think we all understand it's not so black and white if a business should pay ransomware. Uh, has this conversation changed your thoughts at all? What new thoughts or things have you thought about in terms of should I prepare to or be prepared or pay ransomware if I get hit? Should I pay them? Mm. Still struggling with the question if I should pay them because, you know, trust is broken. But um, I definitely didn't think about um, you got to think about your backups and you need a plan. And I feel like uh, without a plan, you're doomed. So this incident response plan makes sense. Um, also, the recovery time um, is huge. You know, I think most people think that you have a backup. You're going to you're fine. You're going to recover in a day. Uh -uh. Um, cyber risk insurance like that's a thing. <laughs> um, I gosh, I I'm like struggling with that question. If I would still pay, I really don't know. Because my thought is, like, if I pay, they still have my data, so WTF, right? I'm going to focus on my operations and get it where I need to be. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm really struggling with that question. Like, ask me tomorrow, yeah. and maybe I have a different answer, but That's I'm good. very conflicted. Like I, like, I need to recover. I need my operations where they need to be, but then, and I don't want to pay these people, but also I care about my clientele, and, like, I want to make sure that they trust me and that that I care about their informa information and keeping them protected. So it's like, holy smokes, now I'm, like, I'm not even in it, and I can already feel the panic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so... Yeah. So yeah, um, definitely a couple, definitely some new things. I, um, I just some like people are getting attacked all the time every day, and we don't need, we don't even see half of it, you know. And um, it would, it would be, I don't know what we need to do um, for organizations to take cybersecurity more seriously. I think maybe this podcast helps. So if anybody's listening, maybe you could, maybe there's a takeaway. Um, but the threats are coming and they're not stopping anytime soon. So stay protected. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, David get has protected. this. Yeah, get protected. Has this conversation <laughs> at all, uh, has this brought up anything new for you on whether or not a business should pay for ransomware? So here, here's the way that I view <laughs> about it. You're, you're in a, a rock and a hard place situation. You're in a no win situation, right? So let's take the angle you don't pay for it. What happens if you don't pay for it? Well, obviously you can't get back to business and uh, just doing any quick research, like I pulled up multiple ar articles just now, uh, bare minimum 60% of small companies close within six months of being hacked. Wow. So within six months of being hacked, and that is from uh, 2019. This is just a random article from 2019. So uh, along with the other other things that could cause a business to close this is uh has to definitely be factored in because that could be game game over especially if you're trying to make it within what to say your first two or three years are your most vulnerable so uh yeah 
imagine you're busting your ass putting in 100 plus hours a week trying to make it in your business and uh, you know uh, get somewhere and you have this future then all of a sudden out of nowhere you get ransomed and you definitely don't have the funds to pay the ransom or anything well you're out of business guess what you got close your business and that's what a lot of these small businesses so i think it's uh more of a question of preventative measures but if you're already been ransomed you need to start evaluating at that point not only should you pay it but is it worth even being paid you know is it worth it to pay it yeah uh, yeah so i think for me it boils down to one question what happens to my business if i don't pay yeah, that that that's right. the key takeaway for me. If I have, if I'm going to close my doors, then maybe I have to gamble and trust them, even though I don't trust them, even though the majority of them sell my information anyway. After <laughs> I pay, you can pay them in crypto uh, and then help you get your money back I, and recover I, it. Yeah, I, I I I would I would uh, invite you to look in a little bit more about that. I'm pretty sure it can't be reversed, and that's why they use it. Mm. Uh, in fact, there was a recent story where a crypto bank, if you will, accidentally gave a bunch of money to its people with wallets and then said, please give me my money back. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so that's why it's it's there. It's there because it's harder to trace and it's and it's not regulated. So that's why you use Bitcoin. Yeah, it's a user. Uh, that's the thing about crypto, right? I don't know that much about it, but it's like a, a user uh, regulated type yeah, of exactly it's system. not uh, it's not regular by any of the governments or anything so uh so if i'm a small business um uh, one good resource they can go to today is ransomware.gov um the cisa the center for what is it it's a Cybersecurity and for an infrastructure security agency for the government offers this free resource online all about how you can prepare what you should do to respond to and recover from ransomware so it's a nice little website i if if you're curious as a business owner or, or someone in it wants to start the conversation the most important thing you do right now is identify what assets my business has where are they and what threats and risks are, are are out there that could take my information and take me out of business and um, hypothetically and, how much is your data worth yeah you, that's that's that, that's I, one that of the is, intangibles yeah. that's one of the intangibles uh if you ask a company um <clears throat> how much is your data worth you can't uh, most of the time put like a figure amount on that but the but cyber I, criminals that sell your social security numbers are your customers. I, they I tell you do. what, these ransomware <laughs> companies are putting figures on. These <laughs> ransomware companies are putting figures on it. So why shouldn't you? Why don't you value your data as much as a, a hacker does? That's yeah. the primary the primary question. I think I mean I was just like looking. I was just curious in um, some articles. Like we're talking. I mean I'm sure you guys remember the Colonial Pipeline, 4.4 yep. million. Um, I had no idea about, and maybe silly me, I didn't realize that Acer, I didn't realize that the ransom was 50 million. I don't know if you. Yeah, when you're that. a larger company, you get a larger ransom. 50 million. That is insane. Um, yeah, they're just in the millions. It's crazy. And it seems and like it's just. It's just they've gone up increasing. in the last year. It's continuing to increase, like skyrocket. Like. And I was watching, actually. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, White, ha White House Judicial Committee, I think it was like AOC, uh, that was 
grilling one of the bank institutions for funding the Colonial Pipeline on why this happened. He was like, we're one of 30 banks. You know, they're going to the extents of trying to figure out why we lend it money. That's how that's our we're one of 30 people that lend them money. Yeah, I don't know. I understand your question there. So did they yeah. interview the custodians? <laughs> right. Just to make sure. No, they go after the top dogs and everything. I, like I, I, yeah. And it's a little off topic. I, I don't, I, I read a little bit about the, um, the shutdown. I, I, mm-hmm. I am, they made the decision to shut down their systems. Um, they shut down for like, yeah, oh, and and that like obviously days? caused Maybe a huge gas problem, right? It caused oh, a yeah. gas shortage. But oh, I can't yeah. remember there was some controversy around what decision they made and why. And and that's something that if you're because it cost them like ten million dollars an hour or something like that well, for every hour they were shut down. That was part of it, I believe. Yeah, but I I I feel like the decision was was a little bit weirder than it should have been. But anyway, that's you that's think there was a toss up. You think that they were uh, conflicted and they didn't know the decision to make should we mm. should we pay or not? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably so. And, but like and you that said, like. In that I kind mean, of how so, much money I, are they losing with I don't, every hour they're shut down? You know? And here's the other asset, uh, uh, aspect of it. I don't think it was a question of should we pay. I think it was a question of, well, we need to get the data back. What do we need to do? We need to get with our lawyers. What are what do we need to do to save face? We've got investors. It becomes it wasn't a matter that they weren't going to pay. No, that that's a given for some for an operation like that. They're going to pay, but how do we go about doing this? Because yeah, they're screwed at that point. They they are in checkmate. Yeah, I think I think probably. You reminded me of something, and then I might have forgot it. Actually, uh, um, that comes with being almost forty. We were talking about that yesterday. He's a year. He just realized that uh, yesterday that he's a year away from forty. Yeah, that's fun for you. Yeah. Big four zero. Yeah. Speaking of having over twenty years in the IT industry, <laughs> that's that'd be why. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do this podcast in Hawaii for his fortieth. Oh, that's <laughs> good. that sounds good. <laughs> so that's I'm okay. game. Hey, uh, everybody, send yeah. us to Hawaii. We want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, like gonna, I like the plug. I like the plug. I'll get us there. I will just Ste- uh, Stephanie you know, play you, ukulele. You won't, you if won't y'all see get me us... anywhere anymore, I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go to this ransomware as a service. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna go into direct competition. Go, with please, us. government, don't please don't. Do <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, I think this is a good point to end the recording. So, any final <laughs> thoughts uh, before we end our episode? Final thoughts: If you get ransomed, get a team together because holy moly. Like you can't make that decision yourself because clearly I can't, and I don't even own my business yet. You know, so yeah. And you're oh very... yeah, wait and stay protected. Then you don't have to. You know, well you can't. You can't be 100 percent. And you're very informed in the IT industry, so you're better equipped than most uh, would be or active business owners out there. And it's still extremely tough for you to answer, being the professional that you are. It's it's tough for me to answer, but I absolutely would invest uh, in IT for my business, no yeah. doubt about it. 
And I think that is the struggle uh, with a lot of other people in the world. It's hard to get them to understand why they in IT and yeah. why it matters. And, um, and I'm being proactive in instead of, of reactive. Yeah, it's too little, too late. Unfortunately. So, we're trying yeah. to make, make IT fun again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think that's the number one recommendation I have is to be proactive. Um, it's to start thinking about it today before you have the problem and to plan for it. Um, I, there are absolutely things you can do to prevent 90 something percent of ransomware from hitting you. There are absolutely things you can do. Uh, and in, in, in this podcast, in different episodes, I talk about email security. I'm going to be talking about endpoint security. Uh, one of the great tools that um, I, I recently, uh, in the last, I guess it was more like two years ago, that I brought to um, an organization that I worked for at the time was Sentinel One. Um, Sentinel One is, and, and I'm going to talk about this in the endpoint protection video. It's about the evolution of antivirus. But if you're looking for antivirus today, make sure it can take care of ransomware. Make sure it talks about it. Make sure it, it, it specifically talks about that type of def defense and protection. And when you're looking at um, when you're looking at it out there, Sentinel One posts a lot of videos, and this is not an ad for them. I swear I'm not sponsored by them. Um, Sentinel One posts videos that I love. Not and, and it's all about Sentinel One stopping ransomware. But more importantly, the ones that don't get stopped, the endpoint detection and response, the EDR tools, what those are for is so that you can look and see what it did. If without visibility and what happened in your environment, you're shooting blanks in the dark, trying to figure out what happened and why you got hacked. And so there are tools out there that every business needs to have. You must absolutely have, to have it uh, in order. To, it's 2021. I mean, come on. At this, just like just like you, you have to have insurance on your car if you release it. Just like you had to have. It will come in day. It's mandatory. Yeah, yeah just yeah. like ten years Legal ago, work. antivirus and firewalls was what you needed to protect your organization. Now you need to have a different minimum standard of protection. And any company out there that's telling you otherwise isn't up to speed. Yeah, they don't have your best interest at heart. Yeah, My and then. Yeah, and then kind of a teaser uh, to piggyback off of that, something Jesse could possibly talk about in the future, is there's some tools out there that uh, once you get those implemented, if you were to get breached or hacked, that they have million dollar guarantees. Yeah. So Jesse, we don't need, uh, we can uh, save that for another podcast. I understand we've went in depth on this one, but yeah, that could be something for anybody listening to follow up in the future with as well. I want to throw that out there. I got all the AV questions for next time. Right. All right. That's a good one. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us today. And uh, yeah. hey, thanks a lot for having thank me. Thank you. I, I finished my coffee. So <laughs> yeah, let me hop on here with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. See ya. All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, new shows twice a week. Follow our podcast, tell your friends, like, share, all the things if you found this helpful. Let's get the word out to the masses so small businesses can better defend themselves from cyber threats. For more information and for personalized consultation, <laughs> head over to our website at insula.tech. That's I-N-S-U-L-A dot tech. And look for the contact us link or check the show notes for a direct link.